We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast coming at you Wednesday morning. It's October 11th. I said it was Wednesday morning yesterday also, but I think today is actually Wednesday. So that's where I'm at. We're doing shows uh, almost (laughs) almost daily. Uh, Recently in your feed, uh, Kyle and I talked about the Wolves uh, against the Mavs game one in Abu Dhabi. Uh, You can find that there. Uh, Chris... Hein and I kind of recap, talked about it overall on uh, on Monday with both games involved there. And then Britt and I kind of did something different yesterday. We previewed the wings. So um, all those are back in your feed. Jason and I are kind of going to just mostly because I've been talking, I'm running out of things to talk about. Uh, Britt, or Jason and I are going to talk about uh, having the chance to talk to Carl and Ant at practice yesterday. Uh, we're going to kind of focus in on that a little bit. We haven't had a ton of access, uh, Jace, to the players because they've been out of out of the country. Um, let's start with Kat. But before we get into kind of what Kat said at practice or what Finch has kind of said, I'm just curious if we, you and I haven't talked since those games. How surprised were you with how like kind of awesome Carl looked in those first two preseason games? Uh, Not too surprised frankly i mean just because we saw like i think what he has said has lined up with maybe what i thought like i thought he looked pretty good in the world cup and certainly like i think team success wise at the very end there they would have liked to have more success and there are a few things he could have done differently but like he was aggressive but also i thought pretty smart um playing for the dominican and and you know like it's just such a great thing for somebody like him to be leaned upon so heavily like to the point where he's in great shape he's sharp like these are all like things that you can't really simulate basketball like in the off season. Mm-hmm. So like he's coming in a step ahead of where he usually is. Um, and and we saw Carl last year, like in the way you thought of him at the start of the season, coming off of like a major illness um, that yeah. kept him out for a long time. So like this is he is probably 10 steps ahead of where he was this time last year right now. So I'm not surprised. And the matchup with Dallas is very good. You know, like they're starting young rookie bigs like. Not surprised at all. And I think it's a great thing for Minnesota to have Carl gain some confidence and comfort in like himself and what he's doing and what he should be doing out there um, as they kind of go into year two of this multi-big experience because an aggressive Carl is a good Carl. Yes. I I think part of my, 
I'm not like concerned, but maybe expectation for what like World Cup Carl would look like for the DR is like, all right, that's uh, not one of the better FIBA teams out there. They're going to feed Carl a bunch. And I was like, okay, well, I'm assuming he's going to be their center. I kind of assumed going into World Cup that like they were just going to post him up a bunch because sure. frankly, he probably would have been really good at that in the, the World Cup setting. But then when I'm watching those first couple of games, I'm like, huh. They're playing Carl at the four, like yeah. basically or in the way that Carl is going to play the four uh, for this team. So or for for the Timberwolves next to, to Rudy. So I think it was like really productive in in that sense, too, where, where you're right. It was simulated actual basketball, but also the actual basketball he's going to play. Um, I thought that's why, like, yeah, it's preseason or whatever. But I felt like he had a really good like feel for spacing on the perimeter and like awareness of where Rudy was because for the whole summer he played with the center in the dunker spot and like just shot a bunch of threes it's not like a, it's a super novel concept but it's good it's good for him to to have gotten reps in that I I think for sure and, and Finch has been Finch has been super I think encouraged by that as well yeah I thought it was funny when Ant said yesterday he's like yeah Carl can shoot things from out there so we need him out there you know like basically yeah. like we need yeah. Carl to stay outside, you know, and, right. and, and launch threes. And honestly, like for this team, that makes a lot of sense. It, um, it, it does. It, it just removes so much of the decision making, you know, like and and decision making. It's not never only saying, like, exclusively threes. It's just like the idea of like, yes, stay correct. back there. He's still going right. to drive. He's still going to get his like inside the arc, but like lean that way. Yes. And I mean, I don't even mean like decision making in terms of like Carl can't make good decisions. Like Ant gets in the same issues when you know when he's mm -hmm. driving into kind yeah. of a clogged area like when totally. Rudy's on the court play it a little differently be a spacer mm -hmm. like yeah there will be other opportunities opened up for you Rudy won't always be solely in the dunker um, he'll be there a lot mm -hmm. but, but you'll find other opportunities just simplify the game for yourself and like with the couple options you have be aggressive and knowing that you're making the right choice mm -hmm. you know like and 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 react quickly and just go uh yeah, I, I think he just looked really decisive and comfortable. And I think that's kind of how everybody looked. But yeah. that is largely based off Cat because if he's not being decisive, then everything's going to get bogged down. Um, so I think if everybody's being decisive, it makes the game much easier for all five of them. Here's what Finch had to say at practice yesterday. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, it's like we've told him, just, you know, get worry about yourself. Don't try to get everybody else involved. You know, get yourself going um, and do things that you're really good at. Uh, Attacking from the top of the floor, um, you know he's going to get a lot of open looks. He's got to be shot ready. Um, thought he was. It just some of them just didn't go down, but he got a lot of really good looks. Uh, you know, defensively, I've been really pleased with him. He's really moving well. He's challenging everything, getting through a lot of actions. Um, uh, yeah, he looks sharp. You know, his time away this summer with the Dominican team, you could tell has put him in great shape. His mindset's right where it needs to be. Um, you know. And I thought those guys played really well together. I thought that they looked like they had kind of solved some things early. We still have a long way to go, but early they looked really organized. That was something for him to work through early last year, especially of maybe passing too much yeah. or like trying to. Hundred percent. Yeah, you know, just these. You know, we all know Caddy's a pleaser by nature. He wants you know to make everything work. People, um, you know, and with the Rudy thing, he wanted to make he wanted to be the guy to make make it work and ingratiate. Uh, Rudy into the to the fold so uh, and I think at times it kind of cost him you know him, his opportunities so so Jace what did you make of that uh, 
or what, what do you make of that kind of idea from last year where Kat was trying to uh, overly, you know, get it to Rudy? And then also yesterday, Carl kind of said, like, no, I was just doing what was told. Like when th- those are obviously kind of uh, conflicting pieces there, but it was weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, let me just let, let's play the let's play the cat one there to go to go sort of back to back. And this is, I, I don't know, a, a little bit of a bigger topic. Carl is very, not bigger topic, but Carl's been very short with his answers. So I don't know if there's some alternative points that he's trying to prove elsewhere. But but just for context, Finch said that, Carl comes over, he says this. Basketball standpoint, what can you take from the way you were playing for the DR and apply to this? Just be aggressive, look for my shot at all times and uh, put the ball in the basket more than not. Uh, Coach Finch said that he did speak to you a little bit. He thought that maybe early last year you were almost trying a little too hard to like move the ball and get Rudy more involved and maybe sacrificing some of your own opportunities offensively. Is that in your mind as you kind of go out there now and just be more aggressive looking for your own? I was just doing what I was told, so I was told to move the ball and I, I thought I did that. So, again, we got a couple things going on here. Carl's clearly not in a talkative mood to start the season, whatever. That's his prerogative. I I don't know. I don't even really care to go into that, honestly, Jace. Like, let's let the game start. He, Carl said later on that, you know, he, he didn't want to talk because there's not, not a lot that's that's been happening. I'm more trying to focus on the basketball stuff, which is yeah, like yeah. Yeah, yeah. Finch and- saying he clearly did – tried to overpass to to get to Rudy last season and Carl was saying he was doing what he was told those things kind of conflict whatever i i think those are signaling different things to the media or whatever yeah, yeah. my my question is is like have you guys figured out what that balance is that you want for Carl's distribution versus aggression um offensively because obviously that is one of the biggest questions hanging over the Minnesota Timberwolves is like can they find a way to effectively integrate offensively between those two players so defining what that aggression is versus or individual aggression versus distribution is is super um important and I don't know maybe maybe we should just not be taking too much of the Carl stuff like on the chest until we know until he's maybe moved on a little bit from the comments from the summer. I think that's probably a factor in, you know, maybe I was too outspoken in the summer. I got pushed back from that. I'm going to be really quiet now. I don't know. I, I just wanted to understand what they're thinking about this team from a basketball standpoint. Yeah, I hear you. You just want to learn more about like what the approach is. Um, mm-hmm. And so like when you don't get that, it's which Cole is also is typically very open yes, yes, with sharing yep. and like, yep. like, kind of get I think that, there's, that's what we're there's a little bit of a balance of like that's never what gets that's never what gets criticized is when you're trying to supply insight into that but I think he's just kind of going like this is the approach he wants to take sure. to start the year and he thinks you know like this is I think the way that's going to re- reduce the noise the most of, of, around me probably and like and just Amen. allow me to more focus power on basketball. Cool. yeah and and 100 yeah. and and uh and I'm totally fine with that I think the thing about like I was doing what I was told last year uh, to some degree, I don't think he's wrong in that. Do you remember the start of last year? Like we were just everybody was praising Carl for like the passing, sure. you know, looking for Rudy on the lobs and stuff. And they're like, well, and I remember even when Carl went out, it was like, 
Well, Rudy and Carl, Carl did one of the better jobs finding a chemistry with Rudy. Like people were saying that a lot. Um, yeah. And so I think Carl's we both were. Like, yeah, I, I think we both believe right. that. Yeah. Sure. And uh, so I think Carl's probably like, OK, uh, yeah, I, I you know, got a lot of praise back then for how much I was passing and looking for Rudy and whatnot and trying to create. Um, I guess it was too much. Uh, but I do think now I think it's possible that you can both say, yep, that's what we wanted last year. Looking back on it, probably not the best formula for this lineup having success. Now we think Carl just needs to be really aggressive with his offense. And I think that's right. Um, mm -hmm. I do think like Carl trying to be a distributor to Rudy and whether that was asked of him or not, like it was praised at the time. It's just not the best version of Carl. Like Carl sacrificing in that way is not maximizing Carl. And you want yeah. it to work in a way where everybody can be maximized um, and mm -hmm. not like Carl can't be sacrificing his offense because he's already like becoming automatically a worse defensive player having to play power forward. So he can't also become a less impactful offensive player. Like right. he needs to maximize his offense to otherwise, why is he on the floor? Mm -hmm. um, so I think him being that spacer, being aggressive, like being one of the key offensive cogs who defenses constantly have to be worried about and accounting for and sacrificing elsewhere to cover up. Yeah. That's the maximizing way. And, and I think like, I think the coaching staff even probably believes that more now than they did a year ago themselves. Mm-hmm. I just want to complete the point on the the short answers from Carl because, frankly, I think some people be more in tune to that than us talking about him passing to Rudy or whatever. Sure. So Carl was, and, and credit to Darren Wolfson, I I think for asking Carl this because it's something all of us had been thinking about, and I it was think very obvious on Media Day. Yeah, it was very obvious on Media Day. Again, for people listening right now, if you didn't hear hear that, but you just heard those other two answers, like Carl hasn't done more than like a five ten word answer in either of his media availabilities thus far this season, which again, I, at least on me and Jason's behalf, like that it's, it's, I'm dead serious. It's not me like whining about, I, I, I'm not even a writer. No, I, I, no, I don't, I don't, no. and, and, and it, it's not about that. It's, it's just such a different behavior right. from Carl that again, credit to Doogie uh, for asking him this and, and Carl states his point here and it's like, okay, by all means. Okay. Just an observation. You seem more subdued. Right. I mean, like in the past, you've given long, detailed answers, but going back to media day now, just seems like you're a little bit shorter. Is that, I'm just curious, is that by design? There's, there's not much to say. Get the job done. It's always funny when that's like the last question because like and it was like doogie asked it at the end i think it's an appropriate time to ask it and uh but just like and then it's just like a walk off it's like that's just the last question like nobody had anything else to ask but yeah i mean i think i think it was important to ask it and like you said we don't care like andrew wiggins didn't give more than 10 words to an answer throughout his entire timbo's career and that's yeah. fine it was just who he was and you knew that mm -hmm. and like you worked off of it um it's the, just the only reason it's just interesting because it's the opposite of what carl always does you know? I, so, I i don't know when what you were just when that video was just playing right there, I, I flash back to literally training and probably like almost exactly 365 days before. And I, I think you'd remember this. There's like a podium up there and he was like pounding on it. Like it's time to be great. Do you remember that? Like at uh, training camp, he was like, it's time for the work. Like, I, I sorry, sure. I should have had that video. I'm just thinking of it now. All I'm saying is it's a different, it's a, a bizarre juxtaposition of the way in which Carl has always been in media availabilities versus how he is now like frankly i think this is a good move it's like there's not much to say like let's go hoop let's play basketball like actually part of me kind of thought after he played really well in abu dhabi maybe yesterday he'd come out at media like really out there and loud so, so he's 
he's sticking to his tune regardless of the the quality of what he's playing, which is, I think, trying to signal. I'm trying to play very like delivered, focused basketball. We're trying yep. to do that. Let's do that. And I'm with that a hundred percent. I just think for both of us, you put it in your story at the end uh, yesterday. Chris, I know, uh, wrote about it too. It's like it's a noteworthy thing because. This is Carl's ninth year in the NBA, and this is a different behavior to start a season than uh, than we'd ever seen before. I, I hope we, nobody thinks we're getting too yeah, recruiter with it. We, we would know whenever anybody changed anything about their approach, a star player. Yeah. Like, and this is an approach he's taking to something. It definitely seems like he's like, let my basketball do the talking. Like, we would talk about somebody changing their workout approach, their eating habits, their... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... We've done that with stuff, Yeah, and done. Carl, Carl, like, is... Yeah answers and whatnot have been a major storyline of his career in general so if he changes his approach we're at least going to note it i don't mm-hmm. think it's a huge story but it is something that yeah here in training camp it's worthy of noting briefly it, it's it's worthy of noting briefly and what's significantly more noteworthy of noting is the fact that he looks damn good mm-hmm. in on the floor and i think in his understanding of what his role is and that is Honestly, like the biggest deal for this team, like sure. for success is, is him doing uh, that. Uh, What's going to be interesting is if can they maintain, keep doing that uh, mm-hmm. while tasting more resistance than what Dallas provided. Absolutely. And, and that's what we're, we're going to get to. Um, Want to let you guys all know that again. Um, sorry, I've been kind of hammering you with this, but we do have uh, the Falling Knife live show uh, this Saturday. Uh, Britt and myself will be at Falling Knife's Wolves Fest um october 14th this saturday four o'clock we're kind of starting it we want it to be a wolves uh sort of brewery takeover wear your wolves gear we'll hang out we'll be giving away merch giving away some tickets hopefully they got some different beers and stuff they're going to be showcasing there's going to hopefully kind of like a little bit more of a block party than some of the uh just live events we've had in the past we'd love for a bunch of people to come to this Britt and i did this uh last year as well so Put that uh, on your radar again this Saturday, 4 p.m. Uh, Britt and I live show at 5 o'clock. 6.30 is uh, the Wolves playing the Knicks, and we will all watch that uh, together, which I think will be fun to do, particularly coming off of the two uh, wins against the Mavs. So we'll see you all at following night. It's in Northeast Minneapolis if you haven't come before. And honestly, if there was one to come to, like, I think, uh, I think this would be it on that graphic there. It said six o'clock start time for the game. I messed that up. It's six thirty start time for the game. Got to catch that Wolves live pregame. Yeah, yeah, we'll get it on there. <laughs> Assuming there is one for preseason games, I think they do. I I don't know. I was I don't know either. It was NBA TV, right, for the Abu Dhabi games, which like I realized. I don't know. Like, Does Valley have this one? I don't. I'm assuming they do. I think they. I think they do. I yeah. I remember we're all, like, we're all over it. It was like uh, it was like ten thirty. Uh, and because those games were at 11 yeah and and i'm like okay like so now i'm to watch the wolves game and i'm like oh nba tv and i feel like whatever nba every year it's like do i have nba tv yeah, like yeah. i pull up my youtube tv package and i'm like nba oh nice NBA TV's <laughs> oh, on here. oh yeah i was like yeah. i need to like individually buy this right abu dhabi game for 9.99 yeah. <laughs> um all right let's uh let's keep moving i mean we can we can talk about i think cat in the context of of ant as well um we talked we talked with ant uh a bit yesterday about kind of how they're shaping this offense um and and the idea of structure versus flow which led to some interesting i, I thought actually kind of an interesting topic of his relationship 
uh, with Finch and and how they're navigating this because I hadn't really thought about yesterday before this is implementing more structure into that into the offense by Finch is putting more control over Ant right which we would we both agree is a good thing I think more structure is actually good for Ant to control shot selection et cetera et cetera but your star player and highest usage player really has to trust the style of offense that you're playing for it to be able to work. And we haven't talked about talked about this with Ant much. We didn't really know how much more structured it would be. I think we saw two games, and I don't know, at least in my perception, like think this is going to be a pretty substantially more structured team uh, than it was a year ago. What are you just kind of thinking about how Ant, I know you think that Ant, this is good for Ant, but how do you think Ant is going to handle more of a play set driven offense this season? Yeah, yeah, I think it's great. I think I think the structure is for Ant and Carl. That's who I think it's for. Like I know it's always you know it's just you think it's for yeah. Rudy because of spacing stuff. Like it's for Ant and Carl. I think to have clear direction and instruction as to where you should go when you first touch the ball to make sure that it doesn't stick. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I think for Ant, it's it's a good simplifier of like. You get the ball, and if you have something to do when you get the ball, like to start the play, like now the ball is moving, and you're going to get the ball likely back in a more advantageous yeah. position than you would if you just went and got it. Um, and and then just like we've seen possessions where Ant dribble the man. ball we've for twelve seconds, that. and then eventually like chuck up a bad three, and if it goes in, target center goes nuts, and then if not, it's like that was not a good possession. Right. Um, so I think it's good to avoid more of those possessions, and I think. You know, like I'm sure Ant would buy into that as well if you talk to him about that. Uh, But the question for me is always like, I think at the start of the games, they will do that. But I never thought like in the first and second quarter, Ant's sticky ball was like a big issue. It's always to me like you're down seven in the third quarter. You're it's a tie game with five minutes to go in the fourth. You're up by 20 in the fourth. You're up by 20 in the fourth. And you're just you're up like if I get this three, people are going to go crazy and it's going to be awesome. Uh, You know, like it's it's those types of moments like late in games where he kind of senses the moment. And like Mm -hmm. oftentimes he delivers (laughs) there. But there are plenty of times where like he can kind of lose him a game late, too, because of just bad shot selection where they don't generate anything good. So I want to see how committed they are to it. Like he's going to be committed to it now. He's going to be committed to it in the first quarter of games. How committed are you to it when everything in your body is like, I got to take over right here. Right. You can do that. Can you do it within the structure? Uh, or do you feel like you kind of have to revert to habits that in the past sometimes work and sometimes sink the ship too? Um, this is kind of like a minute long clip. I want to play it. It's about the structure and flow. And like the funny part is like Ant calling Finch's dog. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I think like, but I think all of it is is actually uh, important in in what we're talking about here. So here's um, Ant at practice on Tuesday, uh, discussing structure versus flow and kind of how that um, ties into his relationship with Chris Finch. You and Ben do what you do versus uh, kind of following the maybe some sets or whatever. That is. Uh, I mean, I've been under Finchy for going on like two and a half years now, so we kind of got a good relationship to. Well, he let me know when I'm shooting too much or I let him know when I'm passing too much. So, you know, <laughs> but nah, he's doing a great job, man. Um, yeah, he's the best. He's the best coach, if you ask me. How's, how's just that early on been for you like, with some of the structure? Um, it's actually, it's pretty good, man, because it, it keeps you focused. Um, and I can't, 
it's it's easier to score when I'm getting guys involved. So he, he makes sure he put emphasis on that, especially with me. Um, he puts me to the side all the time. Like, got to keep the teammates involved. You know what I'm saying? So he does a great job with it, even Cat. So it, look, it looks good. Was the World Cup good for you in that way too, and just the way that they kind of emphasize? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Just doing the, the World Cup is always good because you come to training camp in shape. So yeah, that was the best thing. Can you expound on your relationship with, with Finchie? Like, can he coach you incredibly hard? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's my dog. I feel with Finchie. <laughs> yeah, that's my dog, for sure. I mean, is there healthy back and forth, though? Like, Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like I said, that's my dog. Yeah. If you, if anybody know what that means, they, they, know, they know how our relationship is. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any- I, I was re-watching that after practice, Jace, and um, I, I don't think about it enough when we go like big picture with the wolves mm-hmm. right and we go like next five years the the relationship between finch and ant which by all accounts or certainly our accounts is is a very good one but mm-hmm. the, the relationship of that and the effectiveness of that pairing and how finch is or is not able to get the most out of whatever ant is or isn't going to be is such an important um variable and i i do think again that from a relationship standpoint i think finch actually does a really good job with that just from having talked to like a, a lot of the players about it over the course of time like he really does seem to garner that respect there's a trust factor there's a appreciation i think of the <clears throat> some of the freedom that that he does give them i've always my whole thing is kind of been going back like two three years it's like when or if do you like hand the keys over to Ant and do you give him the Harden or the Luco role or whatever it might be, which is all just a way of saying like, how are you going to try to, in what way are you going to try try to empower your best player? And he has never done the Luca or Harden thing really, unless extremely necessary for like a couple of weeks when a bunch of guys Where are, are injured. They have nobody on the roster. The yeah. goal has always been Ant within like, the context of a group, which, you know, that sounds like a, a great idea, but there's all this little minutia um, in there. And I think ultimately how Finch figures that all out and how the two of them figure that out together is going to go like a long way in determining, you know, what at least the beginning of Ant's career is or or it turns out to be. It's a pretty important thing, right? Yeah, it's huge. And and that's where like anytime people kind of overreact and get on the like got to get rid of Finch or something like uh, I'm always in my head. I'm like, there's no way there's no way like Chris Finch and and like Ant would not be happy if Chris Finch was ever fired because he has like this has been well documented about and he loves being coached hard. He loves that. Like that is he will tell you that dates back to like when he was like a middle school football player, like his cousin or somebody was his coach. And it'd be like, he just doesn't be take hard it, like, yeah, he like yes. just doesn't take it. Uh, he doesn't take anything personally. He doesn't take anything personally. He doesn't. Yeah. He just like everything is water off his back. Like it's just, you know, like, yeah, OK, you're probably right. I don't know. Or like he might just agree with it, but he'll be like, oh, OK, you know, like on the next thing. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, like, yeah. like, he'll, yeah, sometimes he'll be like, oh, Finch keeps telling me to drive. And I'm like, I'm the only one driving, man. Like, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, it's just He's he real really, about it. Yeah. 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 He doesn't take anything like too seriously, personally, whatever. So like and Finch knows that, like I would say the one thing Chris Finch is awesome at is knowing how to manage different players. 
and like he knows he can be really hard on Ant, and that sets a great tone for the whole team being like, wow, he's hard on Ant. Like we heard Austin Rivers talk about that on his podcast like last year. Like yep. you wouldn't believe how hard he is on Anthony Edwards. Um, mm-hmm. And that makes so you can be hard on everybody else. But Finch also won't be overly hard on the guys who can't handle it or who don't respond well enough to that because guys mm-hmm. do respond differently to different things. Like Finch has a great understanding of how to work with individuals and maximize them and get through to them. Um, mm-hmm. I think we've seen that during his time here. That's huge for any player. It's definitely huge for Ant. And I don't know if they ever will hand over the keys to Ant um, because I don't know if they think that's what will maximize him. And maybe they watch enough of the playoffs to be like, oh, Harden, Luka Ball, right. they win championships. So why would we do that? Yeah, it, and, and to be clear, for, for me, I, I just always kind of was like, again, like two years ago, I was like, well, these players who play like Ant, that's how a lot of these teams are really letting these guys go, right? Like it. I don't know, it kind of started with like Russ end of the OKC time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, and then it was a lot of Harden in, in Houston and Luca, even Ja. Like, I was just kind of like, I don't know, if you're like a big athletic two, like that's just seems how teams are are playing. I, I, I never back then, I never was really like, oh, like maybe it will be something else. Maybe it will be a really structured offense. Maybe it will be. Uh, two bigs, you know, I, I'm talking about like before uh, they, they traded for Rudy. They, but point being is this is the path that they're on. Um, I, I don't know, like maybe at some point, if the roster changes again, three, four years down the line, it's a little bit more heliocentric ant. Uh, but but that's not what they're going right now. It's It's not what Finch believes is best. I know I've asked him about it like four or five times over the, the years. And he's always been like, ah, no, like I get what you're getting at, but we believe Ant in this. But he's always like, we want to get Ant as the secondary action as much as possible because right. that's his superpower, right? That's what he always says. It's kind of like the second side, swing, swing, Ant, rips through. Power. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But but particularly if yeah, you're 6'5", yeah. have a 40-inch vertical and yeah. are 240 pounds. Like, that's it is Ant superpower. Every team should want to do is get your best mm-hmm. player the ball against a shifting defense and not a set defense. Because, like, it's it's automatic at that point. Like, yeah. not in, but but when you have, like, a Luka or a Harden, it's always against a set defense, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, and that's why when you're in the playoffs, when there's an even heavier scouting report and even more attention to detail, it's really hard to succeed. But if you mm-hmm. can constantly be going against a shifting defense, then no matter what, no matter how structured they are defensively, no matter how good they are defensively, like you're compromised and it's much easier to attack and much more difficult to defend, especially to defend without fouling. Like, so yeah, I think Finch has the idea of like, this is what's going to make life easiest for ants. It's not always easy to execute. It takes guys having a real strong understanding of the way basketball should be played, frankly. Um, and, and volume chase and like volume. Like, yeah. The, the reason, like if the Houston Rockets could have gotten James Harden on the second side to do an empty side pick and roll, yeah, that would have got more points per right. possession than top of the key. But they're like, no, we can run this with Harden 45 times a right. game and it's going to do it. So that that's the it question. It takes the variable like, out of basketball. Like it takes the variables out. You know how yes. the possession is going to start and it gives you yes. a good idea of how it's going to finish and you're okay mm-hmm. with that result. Mm-hmm. And, and while you have Carl Anthony Towns, who is an elite offensive production player, it doesn't make sense to just right. be 45 pick and rolls for Ant with Carl placed in the corner i'm with that 100 and when finch says it i'm like yeah that that makes sense situationally she runs some high pick and roll with ant mm-hmm. situationally carl should be in the corner and situationally ant should start off the ball and maybe get it late in the shot clock on the second side against the shifting defense but also maybe it doesn't touch it some possessions like that's not the end of the world either given 
the context of what this roster is with Rudy, with Carl, and with Conley, I think, who can initiate a possession um, himself uh, as well. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's move over to uh, talking about the rotation. Uh, we were, you were tweeting about this like right after the first game. Where you were like, in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. In the middle of it, you were like, damn, like, how are they going to play all these guys? Right. Because yeah. they're trying, they're trying to get Troy Brown into the mix in preseason. Jordan McLaughlin even looked good in the second game. I mean, they had Ant out the first game, Jaden out the, the second game. So like playing we nine or 10 guys was yeah. easy. And, and natural, but I think your main point, I don't know if you texted this to me or tweeted it, but you're like, I kind of think like Nikhil might end up demanding 25, 28 minutes a game with his play. So how does, and that is now like a sixth guy yeah. that you're trying to give 25 minutes to it. Really, if that is true, if your thesis there is true, it's going to be hard to even get to nine and probably never even be get be able to get to 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 ten or eleven guys. How are you just picturing this rotation sort of log jam? Yeah, I mean, I would say that I brought it up to Finch post game, and even he was like, "Yeah, with us playing three bigs and Kyle playing at the three, it is it's." He basically said it's going to be a nine man rotation. Like he said that. Um, you already said yesterday too. He's like, I don't even know if some of the dudes have like done, have the, done math the math. Yet. Yeah, <laughs> because I said, asked yeah. about training. I was like, "Is there yeah. competition? Like, is it you've seen it kind of ramp up with these guys knowing that basically like." 
rotation spots are scarce and he's like uh yeah you've seen a lot of great competition i don't know if guys have done the math yet um and he's you know like on how many spots are there or not there for them um but he has said you know like there's a lot of time there's two weeks preseason games like you just like with injuries and things shake out and your hands forced so like there's no point like making any declarative statements right now anyway because there's so much between now and then um but and the two guys who would be out of the rotation or we assume to be out of the rotation that are fringy for game yep. one are Jordan McLaughlin and Troy Brown Jr. Right. Jordan McLaughlin has been in and out of the rotation the entirety of his career. And yep. quite frankly, given his production last season, granted there was an injury there. Like he's not a no brainer rotation guy at all. Right. So it's right. like, if he starts out of it, that's fine. And Troy, Troy Brown, Brown was in and out of the Lakers rotation. Yeah. I believe <clears throat> and, at least and after I, the trade. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't think he was not, I have just anecdotally of watching games like he played sometimes and he didn't play sometimes. Right. Um, I I don't know. Trey Brown really strikes me as very like vet mature dude. I mean, yeah. I don't know him at all really at the, at this point, but I don't think like I don't think Jordan McLaughlin and Trey Brown Jr. like game one against Toronto and they get DMPs are gonna be like what the like no and that, and that yeah. wasn't why I was asking yeah. the question either I don't think that'd be the case either I don't see that but being an issue I just it's mean the, like, it's the higher ones it's like it's is Shake gonna be twelve minutes because yeah, everyone's right. like oh Shake Milton like yeah mana from heaven you know and oh he's gonna play two stints for six minutes in the game Kyle Anderson is he gonna be a sixteen minute guy that's what we're talking about yes. we're talking about only 240 minutes being available. And how do you even give that to your starting five plus Nikhil plus Kyle plus Nas? Just those eight, I, I think is even tight. Right. And that's where I made the eight and I tweeted it. And I was like, you can tell me. And people come back and they're like, well, you don't want this guy at that many. And I understand that. Yeah, and you're right on, on a night to night basis. But uh, like my eight man rotation, Cat played 34. Not an egregious number. It's just like on a night. Say like it's yeah. a game you want to win. You know, like mm-hmm. you're hosting the heat in the home opener. It's competitive. You're trying to win the game. I would Cat, assume Cat plays 34 right, plus right. minutes in that unless he's in tall trouble. Yeah. Right. Rudy at 32. Maybe you could bump it down to 30, but like Rudy at 32. Conley at 30. Again, over the course of the season, you probably don't want Conley right at 30, but like that's a fair number. Uh, Ant at 36. Game you're trying to win for sure. Jaden at 34. Easy. Uh, and then on these, these three guys, like Nas Reed. They love Nas Reed. They see Nas Reed as a big part of their future. They just, they obviously paid him. They basically were like, here, this is our offseason, basically, is signing Nas. 25 minutes. Kyle Anderson was like one of their players that Finch trusted the most last year. 22. Uh, and then Nikhil Alexander-Walker is maybe the one that's a little high on, but 27. And I think after watching him in the playoffs last year, watching him in the World Cup, watching him again in the exhibitions, it kind of seems like he's becoming that kind of two-way player where it's like, why is he not on the court but mm. at a lot of different times? And that could see their 240 right there. That's so, yeah, you could no. bump down <laughs> Kyle to 18, and you can bump down Nikhil to 18, and you can bump down Nas to 22, and that, that could see down to, let's see, 3, 12, 15 minutes for Shake if you bump down all those guys down to what I think they would consider to be low-minute loads mm-hmm. for themselves. Yeah, I, and and... And I think you do need to probably find 15 or I think game one, Shake Milton will play 15 or 16. And but it's just like, but it's it's just like, are you sacrificing maybe even like other guys yeah. who are even more important to what you're doing, finding their rhythm and flow within the game and being the best version of themselves so that you can just get another guy minutes? Um, well, uh, OK, so Cat McDaniels. Yeah, wanted, it works themselves it, out. 
one in every three trouble. games, right? They're going to be in foul trouble. Right. Right. So it's like, that's just naturally going to, you know, maybe keep them under 30 or put them at 30 Correct. for, for a game. So that, you know, one of them every game maybe has to sacrifice five minutes. That that probably helps you get shake into the mix at nine or really lean into Nas if he's playing really well or Nikhil if that is something, a matchup that that really makes sense for it. The one when we, we were going to talk about this, and I was like, I wonder if like Mike Conley starts getting kind of like Al Horford did, Al Horford did, where it's like maybe it's just like, 26 max during the regular season. That's what Utah did with him. Like at some point, you know, you got to play the long game a little bit. And if just to keep Mike healthy and, and if it's like, do you think the Warriors are going to do that with Steph Curry? They're like the same age. I know you love that point. (laughs) (laughs) I just, Kevin Kevin Durant's like 10 months younger. I think they're going to start 26 in him. I I think we're talking about different caliber of players, but I get your point. Okay, but your whole point is keeping him healthy for the course Mm -hmm. of the season. So that is kind of a similar argument. Same age players. Kevin Durant's had more injuries than Mike Conley. I I don't think it would be a terrible idea to have Kevin Durant play 32 minutes a game this season. Yeah. You're talking about 26 for Mike. I think Mike is maybe the type of personality more receptive to that or understanding of of playing. I'm just. When I was going I through it and saying. doing numbers, I'm like, if I there's somebody to cut. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. It, it, it's fair. Mm-hmm. And it didn't happen last year. Conley played every right. single game for them since the trade deadline, playing postseason, and played like a spry 26-year-old, you know? But how are you analytically factoring in wear down and, and all those sort of things? I, I, I just think that's the... The 27, when you put Nikhil down at 27, that's the number I go, ah, that's, yeah, I that's high. I but agree. you can get to that if Jaden's in foul trouble, which will happen somewhat frequently. And if Mike is, you know, going to not be a lock for 30 minutes a game. I, I don't I don't think it's, it's crazy. They're going to need to, I think at some point, choose a little bit of like prioritization between Nikhil and Shake. Yes. Like defining that pecking order wise, Nikhil will play more than Shake. Of that, I am confident. It's yeah, just, yeah. Are you pushing down Nikhil's minutes to get him like more even with Shake, or are you going to that's let Nikhil go and push mm-hmm. Shake down to like eight minutes this game? Sorry, that's how it worked out. Mm-hmm. Which backup point guards do get that sometimes. You know, yeah. like that, that oh, yeah. happens. Yeah. Mike, the only reason I don't see Mike's minutes going down is I really do think that he's the reason why the lineup works. Like, like yeah. why this team and its construct works. And I don't know if without Mike Conley out there because Shake's not like some distributor. Um, like without Mike out there, can you run with this lineup? Can this work? Because I think it looked pretty disjointed at times last year until Mike got there and then it started to make sense. Um, so yeah, like you can stagger it where okay, Mike's for sure gotta be out there when we have Rudy and Carl out there, but maybe the other times we can that's where we can get him. I think specifically rest. the can you the just Rudy at center mid Rudy no cat. Can you afford to play that ever without? How often can you afford to play that with Mike off the floor? Yeah, right, right. Like, if they, can they find something there? Like, you know, Kyle and Rudy maintain their chemistry, sure. but now it's kind of like Kyle was a one sort of thing, so Mike can be off. I mean, we we both noted this right away once they traded for Conley. The rotation was first two sub. The first sub of the game was Rudy and Mike out together. For, for two subs so they could come back in together. But it was extremely targeted 
with their minutes. But we know Rudy's going to play more minutes, I think, uh, than Mike. So can you get eight, 10 comfortable minutes a night where it's Rudy out there without Mike? I think that's, honestly, that's an opportunity for Kyle Anderson to boost his minutes or for Akil Alexander-Walker to boost his minutes or Shake. Like, can one of those guys, you know, we're 25 games in the season, we're like, damn, like Shake Milton and... Rudy Gobert have a plus 9.4 net rating sure. together. Like that, that's what I think if I'm Finch and Mike and Nori, I'm kind of like looking for is the guy who can bridge the gaps effectively as a point, as a guard uh, when both Kat and Rudy aren't on the floor. We know when Kat and Rudy are on the floor together, it's pretty imperative to have Mike Conley on the floor. What about the other times? That's the question. Yeah, I agree. Because it was definitely last year, like when Mike was out there, Rudy looked like a major offensive asset. You're like, oh, yeah, okay. He mm-hmm. does help on that end of the court. And when Mike was not out there, it was like, wow, Rudy kind of clogs things up. <laughs> uh, so it, somebody else needs to have, find that. Somebody else needs to figure out the way to utilize Rudy within the offense. And it's not just, well, when Jane McDaniels is attacking off a secondary action, he sees Rudy for the lot because that's not enough of like ingratiating Rudy into the offense and really using him as the asset he can be. Who else can figure that out? Ant has not. um, And I'm not sure. I don't think Ant's going to this season. Um, I don't think he's there yet as a player uh, to understand how to use Rudy. I I think on media day, it was like, we started to figure some things out. It's like, Nope, I watched the playoffs. You did not, Um, you know, like, uh, so maybe he'll make, take strides there, but he has not yet. Um, so somebody else has got I think like, they, they, a primary ball handler has got to yeah, figure it out. Yeah. I think he feels they figured some stuff out in practice. I believe that. I, it, we haven't like seen it. Over the figured, summer? Sure. Or, or I, I don't know. Even they just got more comfortable in, in practice. I, I don't know. But you're, you're, I'm, not, I'm not saying you're wrong. Yeah, yeah. Like the, the, yeah. Ant, the last and, time we saw them, it was not passing Rudy the basketball. Yes, that's true. <laughs> uh, okay, la- last thing on the rotation. So so we'll just say pecking order. Starting five, um, we'll give, we'll say Nas six, Kyle seven, Nikhil eight, Shake nine, Troy ten, and Jordan McLaughlin. Do you think uh, Kyle Anderson's going to play more than Nikhil? I don't know. I'm mostly trying to get to who's the 12th guy here. I, I-, I think that's all going to be like this, right? Oh, okay. I think, I think Kyle, Nikhil... And Nas, I don't know, but I think it's all they're guaranteed in there. They're six, seven, eight, you yeah. know. And so to that end, I don't think it really matters, right? Um, it does get to the point because injuries happen where you do get down into 12, 13. And when I was doing this, I'm like, okay, like I think Troy Brown is the next guy in if a wing is hurt or whatever. Yeah. Uh J Mac plays if you need point guard play. But then I was looking at it, I'm like, who's gonna be tw- who would be the next guy? Who's the next guy in the pecking order? We got yeah, Josh Minot, Leonard Miller, Wendell Moore, the two-way guy, you know, yeah, Luca Garza, yeah. Uh, Matt Ryan. Like, I kind of, I kind of think it's Luca Garza. I do too. It depends on obviously who's out. Like, if, yeah, yeah, yeah. if Carl, Rudy, and Nas are all playing, then it's not Luca Garza. Um, but mm-hmm. I think they would probably plug Luca in for one of those guys for minutes rather than going smaller. I do think they would, if if pushed into that spot, um, I think they mm-hmm. would rather just keep their kind of traditional lineup structure. And I think they do trust Luca. I think Finch trusts Luca to play minutes, you know, like yeah, situationally. Right. Yeah. Which I think makes him the twelfth best player. Right. I, I think is what we're saying, you know, right now. And again, I don't think we haven't we haven't seen the strides out of Wendell and, and Josh or mm-hmm. Leonard to think that they're like ready, ready. I don't I they might yeah. out, prove otherwise. They might show in practice and they're like, nope, they are. But I even think what we've seen in like summer league and whatnot does not suggest that they are 
ready to comfortably step in for like three games in a row and mm-hmm. a rotation spot that's needed and contribute. Yeah, it's like I could see one of them like at some point getting there, right? Where it's like, oh man, Wendell Moore, great yep. camp or something. And you're yep. like, yeah, we, uh, I don't know, Mike Conley rolled his ankle. We need, now need another guard mm-hmm. in the mix. And we're like, right. wow, Wendell Moore. Like, I'm not expecting that from Wendell or maybe Josh as a perimeter. That would be, I think, his path in as like perimeter defender or whatever. Uh, but I, I do think I would take Luca Garza as of today, October 11th, to to play over the the rest of those guys. Um, Jason, let's wrap this up with uh, doing. I was gonna say annual weekly <laughs> prize pick segment uh, on the show where Jason and I uh, pick two players from the Thursday night slate uh, of the prize picks available for Thursday night football. Uh, Jace, I'll just give you my two right away that I have here up on the screen. Russell Wilson, more or less than 0.5 interceptions. I'm taking Russell Wilson to throw uh, a pick. And then I, I, it was hard, man. It's hard to pick Chiefs. Like, yeah. they have so many guys with like 28, like yeah. receiving guys. Like, I don't know. I, I did Cortland Sutton. I think Cortland Sutton's a, a good player. If you want to factor in some game flow into this, maybe, uh, Denver's got to throw the ball a little bit to, to stay in this game. They also have banged up running backs, et cetera. Um, so I'm taking Russell Wilson to throw a pick and Cortland Sutton to have more than 43 and a half receiving yards. Yeah. Um, I will take one of those Chiefs wide receivers because I would follow Rajiv Rice to the end of the world. Uh, <laughs> so 30 and a half is an easy over for me on Rajiv Rice. He'll probably get like 35 if he does clear it. So okay. like, easy over for me. He might barely get there. Um, but I just, every time I watch him, I'm like, he's yeah, their best like, receiver. He's I know. Well, it's like receiver. Because like, Valdez Scantling, 19 and a half. Sky Moore, 27 and a half. Justin Watson, are, I don't even know who that is. 23 and a half. Those like, guys are terrible. Justin Watson was who turned what should have been a pick for the Vikings last yeah. week into like a 40-yard gain on a throw up from Mahomes. Uh, but yeah, like those guys stink. Rushy Rice is really good. Eventually, I think he's going to be like on the field for 70% of the snaps. And you're like, mm. that guy's really good. He's their number two alongside Kelsey. Um, he also like is more slot guy. So if Kelsey is banged up, if he has to miss this game, I think Rice gets used a little bit more. Okay. Um, then I went with Javante Williams, more than 38 and a half rushing yards. Like that's insanely low. And I know like it probably won't be a good game script, but I think he practiced in full yesterday. Uh, well, that was the thing. I didn't even know that he was playing when I was looking at yeah. this. It's down to 35 and a half. Wow. Okay. I can't not take a starting running back to rush for over 35 and a half. Rushing <laughs> I fully understand. He might go 11 for 31. Yeah. To me, that's just like, uh, if you like, if you took the under on that and he could clear it to like 14 minutes what? into the game and you'd be like, why didn't I, <laughs> you know, like just, that's such an easy over. Like I would just take the chances that a starting running back, but something is a decent player. Oh, he's a good player. Goes over that. Yeah, for sure. I, I just, it's like, I, I think, just take less than that is to them to believe that they've been like, nope, five foot eight, Jaleel McLaughlin yeah, yeah. is another J Mac. Yeah. I'm surprised that's not your guy. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Uh, he's good. McLaughlin's good. But yeah, I just, I think Javante Williams, if Sonny's is healthy, will always get carries on that team. You, you take an under like that if you're not going to watch the football game. <laughs> well, that, that's what the, <laughs> this is the stupid thing that you and I and Kyle always do. More, We're like more, 80% more, of more, our more, picks more, more. more, more. And I got both of mine right uh, with Kyle last week, and I think I did less for both of them, which yeah. I need to remember that. But I was like, nah, Russell Wilson, come on. That's over a 50% proposition that he throws a pick in this game. Like, right. 
It's got to be. I, no, I took Justin Fields on that last week, and he did not. So he did not. Oh yeah, he did well, not. He played, he played one awesome. for two last week. Yeah, <laughs> I tried to. I didn't even look up what what we did last week. Did either of us have DJ Moore? I don't think so. No, I, I don't think so. I don't even remember what my other one was, but I remember that it. Oh, Sam Hell rushing yards. It did hit. There you go. There you go. I think I was. I think I was one of one of that too. I'll, I'll, I'll go back and look. We'll we'll, we'll track. Uh, our we record. always track until it gets too embarrassing, and then we yeah, stop. yeah, that's true. <laughs> Week ten, we're like, I don't remember what I am. Oh yeah, it was, it was DJ Moore or something. Yeah, but but I think I had that. Um, this is Prize Picks. Um, I, I think particularly during football season, it's a fun like extra way to play uh, fantasy football. PrizePicks.com or Prize Picks app. Um, they'll throw you a $100 sign-up bonus um, if you do use that promo code when you sign up. And then so how it works is those are me and Jace's four picks. Uh, if we bet $20 uh, on that, we would get 10 to 1. And uh, if all four hit, that would be uh, 200 obviously. So that's just kind of how it is. It's kind of a boom-bust type of game. But I think it's I think if you are a kind of fantasy football NFL nerd like Jace and me and Kyle are. It's a fun thing to do, but then also basketball is going to be starting up soon. Uh, I haven't really looked at the MLB ones, but I'm sure there's some of that uh, with the playoffs going on there too. So prizepicks.com, prize picks app, uh, promo code Dane to sign up. Uh, we always appreciate you guys supporting the sponsors. If you're um, listening this afternoon, I mean, and you're like, hey, I'm going to watch the Twins game tonight, you could pick Royce Lewis to go like over one and a half hits, runs, RBIs, like stuff like that. Yeah, like, that's fun. It, make it's anything just more like, interesting. It's it's a, yeah, it's it's a classic make things more. It's actually probably better for a sport that you don't are like, yes. you know, I already have a fantasy football team, right, you know, right. right? Like, so I'm like, okay, it's so-and-so I'm watching for them. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's fun. Well, Jace, uh, I appreciate you uh, doing this. Uh, next time we talk, we'll have uh, another game uh, to, to talk about Wolves, uh, Knicks, this this Saturday, and then uh, we'll be in the thick of it. Uh, the the Wednesday after that, the the season begins uh, after the Raptors or they play the Raptors for that game. So, um, stay tuned here. Uh, I will have for the rest of this week. I will have Kyle and I are going to do some sort of predictions uh, pod on Friday, and then uh, obviously the the live show on Saturday. I'm sure with, Kyle's with predictions Rick. will be very well grounded. <laughs> This this was this was his his idea. So which I think we did do last year, which I think one of my predictions, one of my bold predictions was Nas Reed gets traded to the Boston Celtics. <laughs> that one didn't hit either. Uh, but it, it's a it's a fun time of year to do that sort of stuff. And we, we you know, there's, there's only so much training camp wolves wolves talk that uh, that we could do. But yeah, sign Kyle up for Jade McDaniel's defensive player of the year for sure. And most improved. <laughs> He's going to sweep a lot of things. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, he's Jace Frederick. You can read him uh, at the, over at the Pioneer Press. And uh, follow him on Twitter at Jace Frederick. Jace, uh, la, see you at practice. Sounds good, man. Thanks for having me. All right. Uh, until then, he's Jace. I'm Dane. Uh, I'll talk to you on Friday with Kyle. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man. I hope it never stop, yeah. Green and hot so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you dancing like nobody else around, yeah.